you know the way worship works is it comes in waves it comes in waves comes in waves comes in waves so as long as you are willing to stay persistent you go high it looks like it's dropping but it's not dropping it's just another wave coming another wave coming another wave coming if there's a song in your spirit to the lord this morning sing it to him if there's a praise in your heart this morning just praise him if there's a worship in your heart this morning just worship him if there is thanksgiving in your heart this morning just worship him if there's an adoration in your heart this morning just adore him if there is a thanksgiving in your heart this morning just give it to him if there is something you need to tell him just tell him this morning let god know that he's beautiful let god know that you appreciate his goodness let god know that you worship him let god know that you adore him let god know that you're excited to be his child let god know that you are proud to be his son let's go let god know that it's an honor to be given back to by him it's an honor to be called by him it's an honor to be called by him oh we thank you this morning oh we thank you this morning in jesus name we have worshiped if we continued we wouldn't have any sermon today so hallelujah amen um last week we started a topic the manifestation of encounters and this week is supposed to be part two and when i was getting ready this morning a statement the lord made to me was that there should be an emphasis on the holy spirit as the source of all encounters the holy spirit is not the source of every single spiritual encounter you're welcome god bless you but the holy spirit is the source and the sponsor of every single godly encounter you know the spirit realm is so vast the spirit realm is so vast that there has to be someone sponsoring your encounters and if it is if it is the devil for people whose encounters are sponsored by the demonic you know you talk of witches you talk of people that cast spells and all these things witchcraft is not just that old woman somewhere with all her teeth lost and you know doing evil things witchcraft is is the name given to the entire oppression of darkness entire oppression of the devil so they also engage in some some form of spiritual encounters i'm sure we've heard stories like that before one story we had our children uh, or younger i don't know if it's true or not but they said there was this woman that would always go to meetings by 4 a.m and so when she's going no was it a movie we saw that she would put her one leg on the wall and then she goes to meeting and somebody in the house had been suspecting 
have that. <laughs> this is your four o'clock, one leg on the wall business. So the person, when she had go, four o'clock had happened, she had gone like that. And then the person went to remove her leg from the wall. <laughs> and in doing that, that's how the person died. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a spiritual dynamics to it. Your, when your spirit goes out of your body, it goes out through your legs. And it ever comes back to come back through your legs. So there is some spiritual basis to that whole idea. But I always found it funny that once they removed that leg, that was the end of it. But, you know, another, um, this one, true life story of a woman that was caught in the web of the church of Satan. And while, you know, I always say that as much as possible, avoid Halloween and all these things. Because what happened, true life story, was on that day, she was supposed to be the human sacrifice. The parents were members of that church and all that. So on that October 31st, where, where children are going to collect sweets from neighbors, somewhere, somewhere, somebody's been offered alive to the devil, you know. So, but God that was going to rescue her brought her across a number, a servant of God. And what they did was they, they, took her into their house and started prayers. The, the servant of God said they had never seen that kind of warfare in their lives because she, was correct. she wasn't connected to one of the branches of that church. She was connected to the headquarters. So she was known, I don't know if you understand, she was known by the head of the church and she was the chosen one for that Halloween sacrifice. So this servant of God basically went into contention with the head of that church so that they were praying and praying and praying. And what happened was, you know, <laughs> don't let me, they would project their spirits, out of astral travels, they would project their spirit out of their bodies and start to speak. And one of the ways that the Lord teaches people is when it's like, how do I explain it? Do you know these clocks that, all these wall clocks that when it's like 12 o'clock, something will pop out, like a spring, pop out, and bam, 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 12 o'clock, and then you go back in. That is a picture of how the spirit is when people do things like that. So there is still a connection between the body and the spirit. But if you sever that connection, and you insist that, that that person that's projected their spirit out, that the spirit should must not come back in. Sometimes they call it cutting the silver cord. The silver cord is, thought is the connection between your body and your soul. Hallelujah. Lord help us this morning. And so, while the servant of God was praying and praying and praying, you know, when you don't have revelation when you are praying, you, just, you are just praying. But many it's like somebody that is just shooting this way. You might get lucky that one or two, you know, you're trying to, one or two bullets might eat. But compare it to somebody that knows exactly what they're aiming for and can aim and shoot. That person would not waste bullets. And that person's shot would be fatal. 
So in the spirit realm also, when we just pray without, an, without any revelation or insight as to why we pray, what happens is that we are just doing scattergun approach. Sometimes it might work. Sometimes it might not work. So this aunt of God was praying. Of course, the lady was, at the time, they had even, um, they had even the woman just woke up one morning and just walked away. But they realized it was like the demonic things they were doing to her that just made her just walk away like that. So where they were, they started praying, they started praying and all that. What happened was they had caught her, put her on the floor in their pentagram and all that, and started the whole scenario. So the man was supposed to project out of himself and enter into the woman and then use her to, it's, it's all sorts of mad things. But bottom line is the Lord, Holy Spirit now came to the Son of God and said, cut the silver cord. So he had been praying for hours, nothing, but then the Holy Ghost gave him a specific prayer point cut the silver cord. And so he started to cut, in the name of Jesus, I cut the silver cord. At the point where he was praying, what he didn't know was that that head of the church, his spirit had left his body. So at the time where he was praying, cut the silver cord, what happened was that he found it impossible to get back into his own body. Because now he had spiritually closed the entry. That was how that man died. They told us later that you know the, the news, it was news broke in the world that ah the, the, the this has died. Most people did not know what happened because it was strange for someone like that to die on that kind of day. It's like saying, how do I put it? What's the highest Catholic um, ceremony? The Pope. It's like the Pope dying on the most important day of the ceremony. You know, people will be like this is unusual. But the reason that man died was because the high sacrifice they wanted to do, he ended up paying with his own life. But the reason that happened was because the Holy Spirit came and gave insight that this is what you should pray. So last week when we were reading Romans, it said, the problem, our infirmity, is that we do not know what to pray as we ought to. So many times we try praying. I'm sure people, some of us, all of us have prayed prayers before that weren't answered. Have you? I have. I've prayed prayers that, and I'm wondering, God, why? God, why? God, why? I was, I was giving a story um, at the meeting yesterday of a particular opportunity that I wanted. And I was working towards it, and it was working. And it got to the last stage. Somebody needed to help me with something. And that person said something so bad that the opportunity closed. They stopped replying emails, stopped answering phone calls. But in hindsight now, it was a good thing that the opportunity did not manifest. For starters, I won't be here. <laughs> you understand? So many times because we don't see the back end of things that are happening. Sometimes we, we feel like God is not answering our prayers. Whereas he's answering, look at, is it um, Acts chapter, is it 10 now? Can we help us this morning? Acts chapter 10. <clears throat> I won't read it because of time, but you have Cornelius. The Bible says Cornelius was a devout man. He, verse 2 says, a devout man who, who uh, uh, KJV, thank you. 
a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So Cornelius here was always praying to God, but the problem was he wasn't praying to God the way he should pray to God. Verse 3, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy hounds are come up to God for a memorial. Said, Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodged with one Simon Eternal, whose house is by the sea. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. God is saying, I have seen your prayers. I have seen your harms. But send for that man to tell you what to do. That meant that the prayers and the harms that Cornelius was giving, they were nice. God was seeing them but they were not what he was supposed to do. So sometimes you are praying, Lord, do this, Lord, do this, and Lord, do that. And God is saying, well, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Because if I do it, it might be the reason for A, for B, for D, for C. I'm sure all of us in, can look back at our lives and you, some things that you know that if this thing had happened this way, <laughs> the things that would have spoiled, there will be there will be plenty. And at that time, did God come and explain to you why it didn't happen? God didn't. But now, do you know why? One of the ways God answers men is time. Unfortunately, sometimes men are not patient enough for the passage of time. Somebody was saying, <clears throat> "What's the difference between the plan of God and the will of God?" The difference is time. The plan of God will always come to pass. But the plan of God ensures that the will of God comes to pass at a particular time. For example, the plan of God is that you'll be here this morning. But the will of God is also that you'll be here. The plan of God will be like, you will come to this church. But it's the will of God that ensures that you come to this church today. There is an the will of God works by an appointed time. And that appointed time is set by the overall plan of God. So that when you now look back over time, you will realize that sometimes when you didn't know it, you were still doing the will of God. Let me give an example. Um, God and Pharaoh. God goes to Moses and says, um, it's time to liberate the children of Israel from Egypt. So God's plan was that the children of Israel would leave Egypt. But God's will was that he was going to show Pharaoh flames before they left Egypt. So it was God's, you know, sometimes because God's will is looking like, okay, let me now, okay, so the story went on and then Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Moses he said, no. And he actually now made their lives more difficult. If you were an Israelite, you know, Moses had known that God would harden the heart of Pharaoh. But all the Israelites, the rest of them did not know. So imagine you were one of them now. And Moses had come up to you and said, ah, you'll be set free. 
And then the result of his discussion with Pharaoh was that your life became harder. You will think that what God said was a lie. But God's plan at overall was that they would eventually leave Egypt. But it was the will of God to harden the heart of Pharaoh and do the ten plagues and then they leave. And eventually, <laughs> eventually God had to kill Pharaoh. And the reason for that was because according to the Levitical laws, if you borrow something from someone, the law says you must pay. And the Lord had told the Israelites that they must not, they should go to the Egyptians and go and borrow all their gold and everything. And by God's own law, if they had borrowed, they would have had to pay back. So the only way to not pay back was to make sure that the person they would have paid back was dead. So in the final analysis, Pharaoh had to die and all his hosts had to die so that the, the, the pay, repayment plan would have changed because, well, apologies, the person that we should pay is. And because, you know why Pharaoh, had, you, because you say, well, there were other people in the land of Pharaoh. And then you forget that when Joseph was king, he had bought the land and the people for Pharaoh. So the person that, when the Israelites were borrowing from the other Egyptians, the person they were actually borrowing from was Pharaoh. So once Pharaoh was dead, there was no need to return. All of that was God's plan. He, he, he had calculated all the, all the things from the, he, he, when God was thinking of the deliverance of the children of Israel, he used Joseph 130 years before. But the, so the difference was time. So even if the will of God is not looking like the will of God right now, give it time. You just stay with God. There's nowhere else to go anyway. You just stay with Eventually, you see an alignment between his overall plan. Uh, um, one of the things God does is that he, he steps down to the level of man and then relates with man as if he were a man. So you see God say things like, the Bible says things like, and God repented that he made man. Did God not know that man would sin? Church, let's do Bible study. Did God not know that man would sin? He knew. Did God not know Adam was going to eat the fruit? But how come that God came and said, ah, these people are so wicked? Because he was relating to man at the level of man. So Jesus came, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to the world, laid down his glory, and took the form of a man. So that, the, you know that when Jesus was on earth, he was having to rely on the Holy Spirit to tell him things. That's why Jesus was always praying. If Jesus knew everything, if Jesus knew everything, did he, would he have needed to be praying every time? If Jesus had all the power by himself, what was the point of him praying hours and hours every day? He didn't because he, even though he was God, he limited, he left that side of him in heaven, came to the earth and was dependent on the Holy Spirit to now say, what am I supposed to do today? 
Father, what do I say today? Father, where do I go today? If he was God, he wouldn't need to be asking those questions. But because he left that side of him, it, was, it, it didn't mean he was no longer God. He made, you know the thing about God is that God, is the dimensions of God, he reveals what he wants to reveal. He closes the ones he wants to close. So he just shut those doors. He didn't stop being God, but he shut those doors so that he could be in the position of man. But then God doesn't, even though God comes down to the level of man for certain things, he does not stay at the level of man forever. God expects that when he comes down to our level, then he's able to take us from where we are to his own level. And the only way that would ever happen is if we allow the Holy Ghost to do his work in our lives. God's plan is broad. God's plan, the Bible says Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the world. So before Jesus said, let there be, before he said, let, before the Bible says in, in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, he had killed Jesus already. So he knew that this man that I'm going to make is about to make a mess and we would have to save him. So he had done the plan for salvation before he made the man he made. And if God is like that, why do you think that God will live your own life to chance? God does not live our lives to chance. I was telling us that the Bible says that we are, we are lives are in the palm of God's hands. The palm of somebody's hand speaks of the person's, of the person's control speaks of control, speaks of authority. God, your life is in God's palm. It's in his control. Nothing can just happen to you. Though children of God, many times when we make mistakes, and we are like, oh my God, I've made mistake now. Satan is going to have me. No. And many times we run away from God. You know, like, uh, who was Jonah? You read the story of Jonah? God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh, go and preach. Jonah was like, why should I preach? This is my chance to use God to get rid of my oppressors. Because Nineveh was the capital of Babylon, was it not? And they were the ones oppressing the Jews. And now God is sending a prophet of the Jews to go and tell his enemies to repent. Why? On a good day, if they send you that message, you also would not want to deliver it. Because there are the people oppressing your house, oppressing your own people, making your life miserable, making you slaves. And God is now saying, go and tell them to repent. This is my chance to get rid of these people. If they don't repent now, God would have to destroy them. So let me, let me, let me get rid of these people, you know. So he didn't, and he went, to, and he was so bent on it. Jonah, you know, Jonah was an example of Jesus. He literally gave his life for his people. Do you know that? He would rather die than go and tell those people to repent so that his people can be free. So he was willing to die if it meant that Nineveh would not hear the word of God and they would not repent and they would be destroyed and Israel would be free. And that's why Jesus was saying later that you people require a sign. There will be no sign given you except the sign of Jonah. As, Jesus, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, 
So the Son of Man will also be in the belly of the earth three days. The entire Bible is in one way or the other an expression of at least of one side of God or multiple sides of God or the expression of Jesus. Jesus is the old Bible from cover to cover, not just New Testament. For example, if, if you want to do some theology now, say open your Bibles to Genesis 1 verse 1. In Genesis 1 verse 1, they translated the whole verse except two letters. And those two letters stand for Alpha Omega, the first and the last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So it should read, Genesis 1 should read, in the beginning, God Alpha Omega created the heavens and the earth. For some reason, they didn't translate that. Why are you looking at me? Do you have blue letter Bible? <laughs> He's looking at me like, what is this one saying? <laughs> okay, if you have your blue letter Bible, let's go and check it. So it would look like this man is pulling stories out of. Do you have it? Aha. Uh-huh. Genesis 1 1. Click Genesis 1 1. Uh, the sidebar, interlinear slash concordance. Eh? You find it. You can't read it. It's, it's <laughs> Come, let me show you. Have you found it? Okay, if you scroll and then you check, you notice that there's a letter there called E-E-T, et. See it. Hey, people are not reading their Bible. This one right here. The reason you didn't see it is because it wasn't translated. Mm-hmm. So it's there in the original, but it was not translated. And then you now get to Revelation 22. Jesus now comes and says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. It's not Alpha and the Omega. It is Alpha Omega. The beginning end. It's like a circle. What's the beginning of a circle? What's the end of a circle? You can't find it. So it's not, if you say alpha and omega, you are pointing to a beginning and the end. But there is no beginning and end with God. The beginning is also the end. God will help us in Jesus' name. Okay, so Second Corinthians 3, verse 3. I like, I want to read it from the Amplified Bible Classic Editions. It says, you show and make obvious that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stones, but on tablets of human hands. So it's basically saying here, like we were saying on the Bible study, that the Lord Jesus had a picture I said all of that thing about Genesis 1 to let you know that it was Jesus that did all the creation you saw in Genesis 1. I know many people say God the Father. No, it was Jesus that was responsible for all of creation. That's what John also said in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was the God, and the Word was God, and everything was made by There was nothing made that was made without him. So it was Jesus, Jesus, the Jesus that eventually came to die was the same person that put everything together in the first place. 
And so now it's saying here in that verse 3 that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. So when Jesus was making all of us, there was a description. You can think of letters, the description. There was a description that he had of every single one of us. This is my daughter. This is what she's going to look like. This is what she's going to be like. And it says delivered by us. Us there is the ministry offices. People that God sets before others like pastors, uh, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, like that. And then he says that that letter was not written by ink. It was written by the Spirit of God. That is the Holy Spirit. So it means that that, that writing of who we are, that manifestation of what is on the heart of God, can only come to pass by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the, so the ultimate manifestation of any encounter you might have is that the, you look exactly like what Jesus determined about you when he made you. And I must say that the expression, all of us are different expressions of the same Jesus. And you, you see, for example, because... What Jesus there's Jesus the businessman, you know that. There is Jesus the doctor. If Jesus basically if Jesus was a doctor, what would he do? Would a patient die in his hands? If Jesus was a businessman, would he fail? If Jesus was an health worker, would he you understand? If Jesus was a politician, what would it? And you can look through scriptures and find many people that represented different sides. You say Jesus the politician, but that was what Daniel was mirroring. And he didn't fail. So Daniel alone is proof that you can be in the political sphere and not steal all the money. And still be upright and be untouchable. Not just upright, but also untouchable. Because what happens many times is, you know, you see righteous people that are trying to be righteous in this political arena. Either they get blackmailed or they get removed or something happens to them. But Daniel showed that it was possible to outlast five kings, the four or five kings, and still be righteous and still be well known and still be powerful with God. So in whatever way we are, whatever we do, there is what Jesus would look like if he was doing that thing. That thing that Jesus would look like can only be, can only be seen in you where the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So you see that without the Holy Spirit, that picture that God wants to draw of us, that statement that God was planning to make with your life, that gospel that God was planning to preach with our lives to other people will never happen without the Holy Spirit. We read Isaiah 61. I won't go back there because of time. But Isaiah 61 said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... He has anointed me. It's like somebody asked me a question. Why is the spirit of the Lord upon you? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And I told us last week, the anointed there also means chosen. It means consecrated. So it's not an accident. Do you know that God knows the number of people that will go to heaven? Have you ever thought about it? Do you think about, you know, there are some questions they call existential questions. 
and some a lot of people avoid them. God already knows the number of people that will make it at the end. God knows the number of people that will go to hell at the end. He already knows. Because if he doesn't know, then he cannot claim to know everything. And we know that God knows everything. But that's what that is to say if you are saved, is because God already in his calculations knew that you will. Judas, from day one that God chose him, Jesus already knew that this one will be the person that will betray me. Yet, Jesus never said you would betray me until the very, very end. And why did Jesus eventually say it? Jesus eventually said it because he was even pressed to say, John went to, who is going to betray the person I dip this to in and give it to. But at every chance, Jesus still gave Judas every chance to not make that mistake. So what is the, what is the omniscience nature of God? Is that God knows every possible outcome, yet he still gives you the opportunity to choose the right outcome, but he already knows whether you will choose it or not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit comes, and because we are chosen, the Holy Spirit came on them at the upper room because they were chosen and they followed Jesus. You know, Apostle John was saying this, this one's because they were not, they came from us, but they are not part of us. If they were part of us, they would have continued with us. So the people that are genuinely part would always continue. That's why in life you don't force relationships. How many of us have had friends that you know that you should have let them go, but you didn't until they did you wrong? Nobody. All of you, I'm the only, I'm the only, all of you are saints. Okay, pray for me because, <laughs> you know, you, there are people that you, anytime you have a friend or you talk to someone that when you finish talking to them, your spirit is low. It's a sign that you need to stop talking to that person. If the little faith, you know, you know, there are people you call if you are down. All of us know that person you will call if you are down. And they would at least lift your spirit a bit. But you know somebody that if you call that person, the, the tiny faith you are trying to find have, that person will kill it. But so if you have somebody in your life that is consistently crashing your faith, you are trying, you are trying, you pray, you pray, and then you talk to that person. Stop talking to that person. You protect your you know, at the, end of, at the end of life, when we stand before God, you are not going to be able to call on people to come and defend you. You will stand, even husband will not be able to call wife. So if you say, it's my wife, it's my wife, it's my wife, on that day, you won't be able to tell Jesus is my wife. Jesus won't answer you. You will stand by yourself. Because when we get to heaven, there is no marriage. So everybody will stand on their own. So husband wife. What God does is that God comes to each and every one of us and speaks to us and wants to walk with us so that when the two of you eventually meet at some point, your, your walk will be complementary. So God is dealing with you as an individual. God is dealing with the other person as an individual. But when he now brings you together, you are now supposed to complement each other, not 
destroy the vision of one person. You know, somebody was saying that the Lord told him this is the person he will marry. And he went to God and said, uh, you know, my mother is light-skinned. <laughs> can I, can you, do you have a light-skinned version <laughs> of that lady? And God said, my friend, I have no light-skinned version of that lady. So he said, after a while, while he was still thinking about it, he, he went to preach one day and he saw the light-skinned version of the lady. He said once he saw it, I was like, yes, God has answered. You know, you know, you are preaching in front. You went to go and do guest minister somewhere. He's, he's, he's one of the aunties, one of the ladies you are seeing. So he said, when he was, and you know, people came and were sowing seed because he had, God had moved and all that. And the lady came, he said the first dollars he had in his life, it was that lady that sowed that money. He said, ah, Lord, I thank you for confirmation. <laughs> he said the way God delivered him was that he lost his peace, he lost everything, he couldn't even pray. And then he was like, okay, this is not God. So he left the matter alone. You know what happened? He said later he, he, he found out how things went. He said when that lady gets angry, three days you are still begging. You don't understand. It's not you begging. It is that nobody can calm her down when she's upset. It's when the, the, the anger finishes by itself that she will calm down. Imagine having to deal with that every week. Imagine if she gets angry once a week. It means three days out of seven. Don't even come. Don't even enter that room. And imagine if you are the pastor. Three, like... She'll be so she'll be visibly shaking like this. You know the kind of rage that you would think if this person catches me, they might break my neck into two. <laughs> you're laughing. You're laughing because you are men. When we were growing up, there was there was a scenario, if I remember at home, where <laughs> we were at home, then this lady this man in the middle of the night came to knock our door and we woke up. What happened? <laughs> The wife, I think she got a blade or knife or machete or something, and she was going to remove his head. The man, I'm, I'm not joking, the man escaped by jumping out of the window, and then he headed to her house like one day. You know, imagine, imagine if he was sleeping. <laughs> That's how she would have. You don't know, see, you don't know people until God reveals them to you. Samuel went to the house of Jesse. He saw the first one and said, ah, surely this is the Lord's anointed. The Lord said, I have rejected. When did God reject him? That means Eliab and God had met somewhere. You don't understand. For God to say, I have rejected, why did you reject him? What happened where did you meet him that you, reje- that you rejected him? What did you catch him doing that you rejected him? So there are many people that God has, God is not, God is, God is God and God is good. God allows his rain to fall on the just and the unjust. But God is not, like Santa of God was saying yesterday, <clears throat> if you, you are in a burning house, 
your 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 son, you and your son, and your your younger sister's son are in a burning house, and you could save only one child. Which one will you save? Which one would you save? <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> if you save your son, you have to face your sister to say you are the one that let her son burn. But if you don't save, if you go and save her son, you face who and explain how you allowed your own son to burn. You know, there are some times in life where the choice is, is horrible. And the prayer is that we must, we must always pray that God doesn't let us get into a position where both either choice is a bad one. I told us a story here before of a, a family that had, they had four children or so. And then the woman got pregnant again and they wanted to do number five. Unfortunately, things didn't go well in the theater. Then the surgeon came out and said, sorry, we can only save one. Do you want your wife or do you want the child? And the man felt, ah, we already have four. Let us save the wife so that at least we can take care of the four. The one that has gone, you understand? So he chose the wife and the baby died. And then when the wife recovered and said, <clears throat> where's the baby? He said, well, he had to choose one. And the woman completely lost her mind. Like, why would you save me over my baby? What was the man supposed to say? You understand? She was of the opinion that he should have let her die and save her baby. He was the opinion of, there are four children on ground. If he saves that one, he becomes five. And he becomes a single father of five. He was making a logical decision, but the woman was not having it. Because you cannot tell the connection between the woman and her child. And she actually went into depression, and it was such a mess. So when we say, deliver us from evil, if you, do, if you have not been praying that prayer, be praying it every day. Deliver us from evil. There was a man here that, I don't know if you saw the news, that they released him from jail after 19 years and of, of, of finally he was pleading innocence from day one. Nobody listened for 19 years. 19 years after, they came and said, oh, it's true. We now found the person that did it. Where is he supposed to get 19 years of his life back? You understand? So, deliver us from evil. But that's why the Holy Spirit is there to guide us, to guard us. The Holy Spirit is always speaking to us. He is always, he is always you know, because, but because the Holy Spirit is gentle, many times we ignore it. That thing in your heart that said, maybe you shouldn't go. Because it wasn't forceful. Let me, let me teach you one way to know whether it is God or not. If that thing is saying, do it now, do it now. If it is forceful and pushing you, it's not God. If it is trying to, if it is trying to, the, Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit is authoritative. It is not, it is not, go and do it, go and do it. It is, do this. It is a command, and you either accept or disobey. Well, what the Holy Spirit is not going to be saying is, go and do it, go and if, if something is just pushing you to go and do it like this, it is your mind, it is your flesh that is about to get you into soup. 
God, don't forget, every time, anytime something comes to your mind, take a pause. If you take a pause, and that thing is just saying, no. No. You will turn that, many times you will find out that there's nothing at the end of it. So you would have been better off not doing anything that is trying to force you to quickly do something. Even in life, if somebody is trying to say, make a decision today, a, a, a businessman was saying that he, he, he millionaire in dollars and he said one of the things he does is that every time he, want, he sees a business opportunity he prays and he will pray until God answers him and speaks to him and says do it or don't do it he said so this day they went to church and a church brother came and said ah there's this investment business that we are supposed to do he said the first thing that came to his mind was no but he ignored it and because he was an, a fellow brother in church, and so, the, but the person was like, ah, this opportunity closes in about two days. And this man was used to spending about two, three, four days in the presence of God, trying to get an answer before he makes a decision. So now this brother, I said, this opportunity is such a good opportunity, this and this, two days is closing. So he said, he didn't pray through like he used to. So he just took his money and, put into the business. Of course, you know what would happen after. The business crashed. Not only did it crash, at the time he said he has, he has he's, he's, he's been paying that money back for about seven years, he has not finished paying. So the one time he neglected his own principle and his own agreement with God, he was paying and paying and paying. You know that the fact that you're a businessman and you have multiple stores doesn't mean you have all the cash sitting somewhere. So he leveraged his stores to do the business. So now the money he's making from the stores, instead of profiting to make other stores, he's having to use it to repay the bank for the money, millions of dollars. So he's basically working for the bank because he neglected his own routine with God. See, when you have a routine with God, in that scenario, if something is pushing you to make a decision, refuse. Worst case scenario, that opportunity goes. But at least your life is intact. At least your peace is intact. God will pass in Jesus' name. So in Isaiah 61, two things that I pointed out quickly. Number one is that the Holy Spirit comes because we are chosen. Number two is that all the desolation we read in that Isaiah 61 will remain as long as we do not become what God has called us to do. Quickly, First uh, Corinthians 12. No, First Corinthians 12 is such a powerful passage. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Let me show us something about scripture written. Every time you see a word in italics, it means that it wasn't in the original translation. They put it in italics because it helped them to make sense in English. You understand? But one way to read scriptures is if you see something in italics, reread it, but skip that italics and see if the context still makes 
set. So this First Corinthians 12, they started with now concerning spiritual gifts, but gifts is in italics. But when you read the entire chapter, you realize that it wasn't just talking of gifts. Yes, it talked of gifts, but the whole summary was not gifts. It started with number one, ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols as you were led. It says, wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a cause. And no, no man can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So the first thing he did was to give us the litmus test of who is a believer and who is not. So the first thing is an introduction of the Holy Spirit and his ministry of bearing witness. You cannot say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And you cannot say, you cannot call Jesus a cost with the Holy Ghost. It's impossible. And then he then goes to verse 4 and says, now there are diversities of gifts. So the first thing was that he, he spoke of the witnessing ministry of the Holy Ghost. One of the biggest, if not the biggest ministry of the Holy Spirit to us is, is witnessing. Let's read a few places wherever we stop, we stop. For example, in John chapter 15, verse 26, the Lord said that when the, when the comforter comes, he would give test, bear witness or bear testimony of me. You get to Romans chapter 8, verse 16. It says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirits. You get to 1 John 5, 1 John 5, 7 and 8. It, says, it starts to say there are three that bear record in heaven. There are three that bear record on the earth. So the Holy Spirit, one of the first things it does is that it bears record with, it bears witness with us. So I went to 1 Corinthians 12 to show us that it wasn't a mistake that there was first something about the witnessing ministry of the Holy Spirit before speaking of the gifts because the manifestation of gifts is not proof that something is of God. We see, we see many people in a sense that I don't know if you have seen all these fake prophets before. I have, there was a time that I went to visit a friend of ours and he said, let me show you something. He started to show me the things these people do. Sometimes they, they, they levitate. Yes, <laughs> you've not seen those videos. The man will be coming down the stairs and at the bottom where his leg is supposed to touch the ground and start walking, he will suddenly suspend. And then we realize that it was Photoshop. <laughs> Nothing suspended. <laughs> you understand? Ah, you've not seen it before. You've not seen. Hey, Jesus. They, they open the iPad and, and be scrolling. It will just pull his iPad and say, here's, a, here, here's your face. And you'll be wondering, where did your, how did that picture get there? It was later people found out that when in some places, when you feel the first timer form, they have a research team that will quickly go and Google your name on Facebook. Yes. So that picture that the pastor was showing you on this, he will now say, have we met before? You say no. Have we seen before? You say no. Do I even know your name? You say no. He might not know your name, but he has a team. 
that knows your name and your phone number and the name of your, your siblings. So you say, you have a sister called this. You have a brother called this. The, the, the color of your door at home is green. They've seen your picture on Facebook that you are standing in front of a green door. But what, the thing is, what, but once they have said all of that, you are hooked. Because you are, they've convinced your mind that if all he has said is true, what he's about to say next must be true. So you don't, you don't judge people by the demonstration of gifts. The Bible says that the gifts of God are without repentance. The difference between false and fake. Fake is just trying to make money. Fake is just trying to con everybody. You understand? A fake, a fake pastor is just trying to quickly make some money here and just run away. A false pastor is not trying. A false pastor is an apostle of the devil. He's not just there for the money, even though money is on the side. He's actually there for the destruction of the souls of men, for the harvesting of the souls of men into darkness. And that person would also, many of the false people, you can trace a genuine call of God on their lives. What happened was that the devil hijacked it. So it's not about the gift. It is about who is in charge of the gift. You've seen all the, many of this, many of this, have you considered that many of these uh, maybe popular singers in the world and all that, have you seen how hard those people work? You've seen how hard working they are. Don't you think that by the law of average, if they were that hard working normally without the help of the devil, they would still have made it? They would be, hey. One of the most popular of these similars, I just don't want to mention names. When she's practicing for a tour, tour of Europe like this, she will she'll stand, she'll be on the treadmill, you know, doing exercise. So she's running on the treadmill. She's the the notes for the song she wants to sing there in front of her. She's singing high-pitched voice on a treadmill wearing heels. I don't know if you can picture that. You don't normally, some hills are difficult to walk in normally. She's exercising on it, so her heart rate is high. Everything, she's standing on hills, and she's singing so that she goes on tour and she can go to 10 European cities in 10 days and she doesn't break down because her physical body has been trained to be able to handle it. She would do, sometimes they, say, they say sometimes she'll do five kilometer run, 10 kilometer runs, singing while doing it. So it's not like, you know, you know, you know, so I was trying to exercise the other day and Lord have mercy. So you can imagine singing on point on a treadmill. I saw a video of one, one of the guys and he basically was like, he just allowed. For a, a guy, a YouTuber, to be to access twenty-four hour access to him, and those people walk like madmen. But on top of that, Satan will now come and help them sit. Even even Satan would not use on serious people. Satan himself is not. Uh, it is in church that we might tolerate, uh, you know, some substandard. This, in the world, Satan does not. There are people that they, if they offer themselves to Satan to use, Satan will say no. 
It's true. So that's why I always say, let there be an excellence culture. God, God has put enough in man that even if man doesn't accept help from the devil, you see, all of us know people that are not born again now, and they are doing excellent things in the world. True or false? They don't, they, you won't hear Jesus from them, but they do excellent things because resident in man is the ability to excel in this world. What usually happens is that many times there is now a battle of forces over a person. So because God is interested in this person, then the devil says, oh, if God is interested, I should be interested. But generally speaking, if Satan was not out there trying to puncture the lives of people, men would excel. You put in the work, you get the result. So what we are supposed to do, so don't, the gifts are good. The gifts are wonderful, but they should not be the yardstick with which we judge who is of God and who is not. And that's why the witnessing ministry of the Holy Spirit is so important. That you can be hearing somebody preaching and your, your, your spirit just reacts violently like, mm, 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 mm. the person is not even lying. The person is quoting scriptures. The person is theologically sound. But there's just a revolting in deep in your spirit against what that person is saying. It might be five years down the line that you will realize why you reacted that way when you heard that person the first time. You might not be able to fault their theology. You know, these are days where I was on Amazon and, and I was just... Um, some Christian authors that I like reading their books, and then I stumble. And because I'm, a, I think I'm, a, you know, I'm all these things they learn by what you click and what you read and all that. So he, I, he found out that okay, this guy looks like he's interested in some Christian literature, and so he suggested salmon books to me. Fifty, fifty salmons, hundred salmons. So. I could buy one of them and, you know, if I buy a book of 50 sermons, I only need to worry, how many weeks are in a year? <laughs> if I buy a book of 50 sermons, that's, I'm sorted for 50 weeks. <laughs> so the other two weeks, I might just say, Pastor Busi, uh, somebody. <laughs> we are sorted. And we'll just be doing service like that. And those books have stars, they are rated. So it means that people bought them. People bought them and are reviewing them. They've used it and they can testify that those servants. <laughs> I have told us before a servant of God that met a senior servant of God. And, and so this young man was praying, praying, praying. And the other servant of God called him and said, the way you are doing this, you kill yourself. So let me teach you. Let me teach you wisdom. So, wisdom, so the other one, the elder side of God went inside, went to his wardrobe, brought out a sack. Said, this sack right here has all the topics of the messages I'll preach this year. Says, when he has a mate, he'll just take the sack and go, Says, when he does that, he open the sack, dip his hand in. Whichever one he grabs, has the salmon for Sunday. 
And this one that you are praying, praying, Lord, speak to you, you will kill yourself. Just, just write a list and just be choosing. Just be, ah, I prayed this one last Sunday, take it. Prayed this one last take it. That is how Satan takes over a church and people don't even know. And I was saying, church membership is, 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 is a calling for real. Because wherever you put your head under, when, when you go to a church and you, or when you go to a gathering and you subject yourself to the person that is leading the gathering, what you have done is that you have given that person permission to speak into your life. And because you have given them permission, whatever they say or do will affect you. Because you, at the point where you enter that state, you know, you, there are places you enter and your spirit reacts the way and you just pack your bags and leave. You have not given permission. But if you sit there and you go through that thing and you, you have given some sort of permission to, to the person, what then happens is that whatever they do, affects you. Classic example. Who, 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 we are all Bible students. Who called for census in the land of Israel? David. As selfish as Joab was. Even Joab said, ah, this one is stupid. Joab was so, you know, you've read the story of Joab. Joab was so pained that he refused to count the Levites and the priests. He refused, like, okay, this, I, I would obey you, but the levers, I'm, I'm not going to count. And this was a man that everything he did was self-preservation. I was telling somebody that Job was the way Job was because he was bent on protecting the, 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 the hen that laid the golden egg. David was the one that laid the golden egg. And David was his nephew. So he did his best to take care of his nephew because as long as David remained in power, Joab was a powerful man. So in all of that selfishness, even Joab could recognize that. And it took him nine months. When God was going to judge, who died? Did anybody in the house of David die? Notice, the, you know the children of Israel were not the ones that decided, come and count us it was the person that they agreed to put over them. And once that person made that decision, whether uh, if a woman is pregnant and decides the only thing I'm going to be eating, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to just be eating sugar. Whether the baby inside likes it or not, they will eat that sugar together. That's how it happens. So that's, that's what happens when we subject ourselves under people that God has not assigned to our lives. You end up with something that you didn't bargain for. When Saul was having battle with the Philistines, the Bible says every time he found a valiant man, he will grab him. It wasn't a choice. You couldn't say, I'm not coming. Once Saul said, join the army, that's it you join the army. So we have to be meticulous of places we go, of things we do, of people we associate with, of, of, of the kind of, I don't know, all, all, all sorts of things that are happening in the, in the world now. 
God will help us in Jesus' name. So the Holy Spirit, if you read that First Corinthians 2, I can't read it because of time, but First Corinthians 2 all the way to verse 11, you will find that the Holy Ghost is the one that gives gifts as he wills. So when God gives you something, it's not a thing to, be boast, to boast about. You boast about the works of your own hands. You don't boast about gifts. You cannot go around boasting that, me, there's nothing I cannot see in the spirit realm. Somebody gave you that ability. And even though God doesn't usually take it back, the reason he doesn't take it back is because God is patient. And he knows that you come back to him to give account. You know, how many of us, have, maybe your child did something that was not good, and the child started running away? How many of you chased the child? Why won't you chase the child? Maybe <laughs> you come. Is it that the same house will sleep? They said all those mamas in the olden days. In fact, they will give you food. They will call you and say, "Our food is ready." So you come home with you. You will think they are forgotten. They will wake you up by four a.m. the next morning. That's where you will face the consequence of what you did. So that's God is like that. The reason God is not chasing people is why people think that they do things and get away with it. God has eternity to do the account. And when God finishes, that account will balance. How he will do it, I don't know. But you read Revelation, the Bible says the angels stood and he swore by him that live forever that there should be no more time. That means you won't be conscious that time is running out. Where are you going? There's no way you are going anyway, and there's no time anymore. So you stand before God, and that wicked man that you think he died and got away with it, ah, when he stands before God, he will give account of what he did. There is nothing like anybody has done it and got away with it. Ah, that man, as wicked as he was, he died peacefully at 90. Ah, you will... You will weep for him when you see him in eternity. So if people cheat you, if people do evil to you, it's okay. What does the Bible say? It said if people do you evil, you just keep doing good. And in doing good, you are heaping coals of fire upon their heads. Two reasons why the Holy Spirit divides gifts the way he wills. Number one is because he knows the full picture of of how our lives must be from the heart of God. He's the spirit of God, so he knows the complete picture of our lives. And number two is because he's the custodian of the power of God to utilize those gifts. So the Holy Spirit has both the knowledge and the ability because he is God. So he has both the knowledge and the ability to bring to pass that which Jesus wrote about us that we read in 2 Corinthians 3. And because he can do that, then he comes to give you gifts that would, everything the Holy Ghost gives us is supposed to enhance that final picture that Jesus has of you. So if you say, so nobody can say, I have no gift. What you don't, what you, what you don't have is the knowledge of what it is. There is no one that has not received anything from God. You might not know what it is. 
And it's not every time that the natural thing, the thing you seem to be good at in the natural, it, sometimes they say it's, it's a picture of what God wants, which is not always true. There are times where your natural ability has nothing to do with what God wants you to do. There are times it does. So it is an individual thing. If, 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 um, if I don't know, which, who is this, any of the popular musicians you know, if that person gets born again today, there is no guarantee that God is going to have that person in the choir. But the mistake we sometimes make as children of God is because, because you know that person can sing very well. I, I read something in, in, uh, in American churches. So one of these popular secular artists went home to create his grammar. And you know that those grammars, they don't play. You know those, those our old grammars, they don't play. So uh, grandma slapped his head and said, follow me, I'm taking you to church. So he had to follow grandma to church because grandma is grandma and they don't play. So when he sat at the back with his grandmother, that's how somebody told pastor that this guy was around. Once pastor heard, pastor just took the mic and made the announcement and handed him the mic and said he should say something. One of the reasons why those people, even when we hear that they got born again, but they, they are not strong, is because the person that is supposed to disciple them, he himself has fallen before them. God will help us in Jesus' name. So many gifted people, the devil always tries to, always tries to overtake that, that God has given you. Satan is not the distributor of gifts. There is no ability to you have that it was Satan that gave you. God gave you. Satan just tries to harness it. And don't ever convince yourself that I'm not good enough. I am not capable of this. No, 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 no. The things you need to be everything you must be, the Holy Ghost has them. And if he has them, he doesn't have them for himself. He has them for you. So if you can ask him, if you can partner with the Holy Spirit, there is nothing you need that you will not have. The Holy Ghost is essentially Jesus Christ living in you. When you say, Jesus, come into my life, the person that comes into your life is the Holy Spirit. And he is all that we need. If you can think of him like God in you because that is who he is it's essentially God in you with all the ability that God has the only thing that happens is that the Holy Ghost is like a step down transformer if God the Father was to speak to you from heaven you would just die we saw it in the lives of the Israelites when he came thunder, lightning, earthquake everybody ran and said Moses, you are living sacrifice. Go, go and speak to God. We, we will stay here. If you make it back, come and tell us what God said. If you don't make it, the end. And like that. So because the Father is like that. So the Holy Ghost is the one that steps down everything he receives from the Father in a way that we can deal with. So the measure to which you have capacity is the measure to which you would express the fullness of God.
So it's not that you have half the Holy Spirit. It's that your vessel cannot handle the fullness of God. So the Holy Ghost will step it down for you. And then the more you grow in God, the more of God you can express. The Lord will bless us in Jesus' name. Let me, let me stop it here because of time. We will continue when the Lord says so. Just rise up on your feet this morning. Just rise up on your feet this morning. And just ask the Holy Spirit. It's only one prayer. Holy Spirit, I want to be your friend. I want to, I want to, you know, ourselves and God, our relationship, there are multiple faces. There is the friendship side, there is the servant side, there is the father-son side. So just Holy Spirit, I want to, I want to know you and I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. Help me that I don't make mistakes, that I, that are things that are avoidable, that I will not run my life by myself. Many men struggle. Bible says that the 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 uh, errand of fools wearies them because they don't know how to take the city. The labor of fools wearies them because they don't know how to enter the city. But if you know how to enter the city, then your labor will not weary you. There is a way God can orchestrate our lives that in two years you will. You will be better than people that have been here for 20. In Jesus' name we pray. Dad had to counsel somebody some time ago, some years ago. And the person was, person was a lecturer back home. Then the person came here and was trying to, you know, make hands meet. At the time where Dad met him, he had been here for about 20 years. And he was a gate man. So he was, a secure, he was doing security work. Even though he left Nigeria with his PhD. Something went wrong somewhere. But that is not going to be our story in Jesus' name. So there, there are... But on the other hand, you can, we were talking of somebody this week. They've been here four, five years now or so. I don't know how many years now. Anyway, as at five years ago, they were living in in one room with their baby and rats and all that. And then about five years after, they've got, I don't know, 10, 15 properties. There is nothing God cannot do. There is, so the, the difficulty of the this, of this situation now has no bearing on where you are eventually going to be. If Joseph had given up when he was in prison, not knowing that what God planned for him was that a position that never existed before would be created because he came. Pray for yourself that Lord, that expected hand, I will not miss it. And it will also not be postponed. There are things like we have, we've been praying, there are things that must happen for us this year. They will happen this year. Every progress that must happen this year would happen this year. What is what God designed for 2023 will happen in 2023. That progress that God determined for 2023 will happen in 2023. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray.
one last prayer and I'll be out of your way. Um, you pray for yourself that it was a prayer I heard a servant of God pray yesterday. He said that you that in your mistakes you will make more money than people that you make more money by mistake than people that make that are making it normally. That even in your heroes, there will still be God will turn your heroes to greatness. That even if you like, ah, I should have done it this way, but I did it that way. That even when that, even if that happens, God will still make a powerful story out of our errors. That we don't want to make mistakes, but even if we make mistakes, God will bring greatness. God will bring greatness. God will bring help. God will bring goodness. God will bring a powerful story out of even things that we might consider, hey, that was this, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have done that. That the back, the hand story of that matter will still be greatness, will still be goodness, will still be elevation. The Lord will cover, that's what the blood of Jesus is for, to cover for all our mistakes and our missteps. That the blood of Jesus will speak for us and we will be everything he has designed us to be in the name of Jesus. Just pray for yourself like that.